worked very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in time and anything except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Talton Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. On this week's show, we're looking into the resurgence of Tipperary hurling. We're focusing on Carlo and the club that's looking toward the future. But first, the Wexford referee who's recently been selected for the Champions League final. I'm Sean Connolly, and this is Sports Beat Extra. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. The growth of Irish women's football has accelerated at unprecedented levels. Our senior women's team are going to be competing for historic World Cup honours in just under two months' time. But it's not just the Irish players making headlines, as one Irish referee has been trailblazing for quite some time. I'm joined by Wexford's Michelle O'Neill, who's been selected as an assistant referee for the upcoming Women's Champions League final. Michelle, yet another milestone in what has been a stellar career. Just how much are you looking forward to this one? Um, I'm super excited about this game because it's the the highest honour the clubs can go to in Europe and um, who doesn't want to be there so yeah it's an unbelievable honour to be selected for this game and I'm really looking forward to it. Fans of European football will be well aware of Barcelona and Wolfsburg, two powerhouses of the European game. Now I know you were involved last season with the meeting between the sides there's quite a rivalry developing between the two of them, isn't there? 100%, to be honest, because, do you know, um, the growth of football is unbelievable, but they also they're technically, after getting better, both both teams, and, you know, they're they're well up for Barcelona, like, this is their third time being in it, and Wolfsburg, like, with the day after winning it so many times, like, you know, it's just going to be such a, an amazing match to be involved in. And Michelle, you hold the unique vantage point of having refereed a major men's final, the 2019 UEFA Super Cup that was held in Istanbul between Liverpool and Chelsea. Having had that experience, how would you compare elite men and elite women at the very, very highest level in terms of officiating? Yeah, I mean, it's it it's just an amazing to have that experience behind me um, with the Super Cup final, with the Liverpool-Chelsea match. I mean, that, that meant so so different to me in um, in terms of what that game went being a part of the first trio female officials in a men's major match final um so the, like the atmosphere and and just you know the experience of being in men's football and taking that to next week's final in the women's champions league was just going to be um you know just having that behind you because you know the atmosphere is just sell out crowd and just going to be emotions and and to be able to deal with all that and and then just to, to you know the the fact that the women's game is just growing so big it's it's just going to be amazing you know um and to just get in stay focused and and go and do my job and what I'm there to do I want to turn focus now to the international side how does it feel to be the sole Irish representative in this year's Women's World Cup refereeing panel? Uh, it's a huge honour. Like every time you go out of the country representing Ireland in officiating and, you know, all my colleagues here at home support me so much. Um, but yeah, it's it's an unbelievable honour to to get out there and to show people what's possible and, and to, you know, 
once you're once I'm involved in the football, I love it like so much that you know it's just get out there and inspire others to get involved and to do it. And um, you know it's and I just go out there and to do, be the best referee I can possibly be and to prepare in that way and to you know to make people proud back home. And have you noticed much changes in the women's game throughout your time as a referee from grassroots all the way up to the elite level? A hundred percent. I mean, already like the, the top tier teams are being, um, you know, knocked off the top by the up and coming teams. And and um, the gap, the, the people have bridged the gap between the level of football, you know, and the different nations and, and you know, the coaches and the the national FAs of each country like they've really invested in their in their players and and gave the the um opportunities for these girls and women to get involved in in football and you know it's it's the grassroots level is growing and growing and to honestly like it's um it's a huge difference since the first time I was in the the World Cup in Canada 2015 till the next one coming up in Australia 23 it's uh, so it's unbelievable different growth, you know, and even in the, the supporters. I mean, if you didn't have the supporters, you wouldn't have have the level of uh, interest. So I commend everyone that that is supporting women's football. One thing I suppose you have to look at, the, the, the work that Vera Powell and her team have completed, it's been nothing short of miraculous. And I think then that extends because you have this real belief in the growth of women's game as a result. Oh, there is. I mean, she's, you know, she came in and she had a vision for for the girls in in, in green, and you know, she implemented them. People got behind her, and the one thing that that I I do commend Vera Powell on is her belief. You know, without the belief in a team, and without the belief in the players, and without the belief in the system and and the process of what she's going to do, you know, that's what's that's what's giving them the edge and that's what's driving them forward. And, you know, and it's amazing to see that growth and, and, you know, and honestly, like the players coming up, the, the, the next generation of players, they're just inspiring so many people without them even realizing it. And that's just amazing. And that's what's going to get, get behind the players out in Australia. I honestly believe that if, if everyone gets behind them, you know, anything is possible. One word you've used a couple of times is inspire. And you've spoken about inspiring future generations of players. But you also have the ability to inspire a generation of future referees. What advice would you give to any budding young girl or boy who is an interest in following in your footsteps? I'd honestly tell them to go and do it. Um, Try it. You know, open your mind on it. Just have an open mind Go in, do a beginner's course, get involved in the underage game. And, you know, it, it's honestly, it, it's a, a total different, um, a, a, a different avenue to go down because I always wanted to be involved in football as a player and then ter- changed over to refereeing. And I, since my first game, under 10s, grassroots, school boys league in Maxford, I never turned. I never turned back. I just knew that that was it for me, and you know, it 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 brought me all around the world through refereeing and football. And honestly, I it's changed. It's changed my life really. Um, so you know, for anyone that's wanting thinking about it, just go with an open mind. 
get in there, try it and see how it goes. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. Following a year that many have labelled as transitional, Tipperary senior hurlers have brushed off the winless campaign of 2022 and have attacked Munster in emphatic fashion in 23. Now, Shane Brophy from the Nina Guardian reports about the Premier from the front line on a daily basis. Shane, first and foremost, just how impressed have you been with the dogged mentality of this particular Tipperary side? Um, oh, you, you couldn't be but impressed. And I think it, there's no doubt about it. I think, Drake, for all the, the flair and the skilled players um, Tipperary have produced through the years and like to produce all the time, I think there's definitely... A, in terms of the support base, the one thing supporters love more than anything else is an honest, committed group. And um, there's no doubt we're getting that. And I think that's why I think a lot of supporters are, are, will, are coming back and will stay with the team. Once the team has given everything they are and are honest in their approach, um, they'll get they'll get the backing of the supporters every time. And just certainly in terms of, I suppose, a starting point for this Liam Cahill team. And I suppose we saw that with under the minor and under 20 teams with, and under 21 teams that Liam Cahill had that... Um, um, that that that's he, he ingrains that in him first and foremost, and like the the skill levels and the game plans and the strategies will come after that. So look in terms of a a basis in terms of from where Tip can hopefully maybe kick on this year and going forward, it's been a great start. It has, and you've drawn mention to the teams that he previously dealt with and the players he previously dealt with under twenty. There's a lot of those boys yeah. that he's already entrusting at senior level at a very, very early stage. Do you think that's key to the level of dogged, gritted determination there? Because they know what he's about and they trust him and they appreciate the trust that he's repaying in them. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt about it. Particularly, I think the, the younger the younger players have had a, a massive advantage, as I say, the Jake Morris's, the, the Johnny Ryan's, the um, Moan Connolly's, the, the guys that knew what takes knew what was needed for a Liam Cahill team. I suppose it would I suppose the, the the most impressive thing for me is is the older guys, the guys that probably would have heard about what Cahill's demands or maybe um I suppose you they have to, you have to get the buy in from those and think the Dan McCormick's and the, the Bonner Marsh, Seamus Kennedy's like they've really come on. I think there's no doubt or looking at the particularly the shape of the Dan McCormick, he's looking in terms of fitness, he's he's in the shape of his life. He's a He's really bought in. You'd always think maybe a guy maybe late 20s, early 30s, would they be willing to maybe go to the well once more in terms of their the level of commitment they've given? Um, but like they, they certainly have done that. And um, look, it, it does look like a, a tip panel that's all pulling in the one direction at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And that meeting with Limerick was your quintessential monster clash. Had everything from great scores to, to red cards. Limerick, again, proven to be human. How did you view the match as a whole? Um, I suppose it's not. I think Tip deserved to get something out of the mm. game. But then, if you look at a Coley Limerick missed a, a was the fourteen wides that had the chances to win it, and uh, but there's, there's definitely no doubt that there's an element of the Limerick team for the last three or four years that's missing at the moment. And I suppose that's um, I suppose concerning them from one way for them, and concerning from the rest that the longer they stay in the championship, that they, they, they'll find their mojo, they'll find that bit of slickness, and a couple of players that are maybe out of form will find their form. But look, I think every other team will think now there's there's a chink in their armor. They won't be as fearful as the as the as the year goes on. I guess well that was the there was a bit of a an awe-inspiring vibe about them maybe for the last couple of years. But definitely, it's, a, it's I think it's a psychological thing for for Limerick in some ways that 
maybe there, there's a little bit of self-doubt coming in and then other teams find believing okay there's they're, they're not as dominant as they we think they were and they can be taken on and I think definitely all three teams so far in the championship have, have shown that and I suppose it's something that Cork would probably be hoping to tap into for, for their match on Sunday Shifting back to tip ever so slightly and I suppose moving to the elephant in Thurless and the red card for Liam Cahill proposed four week suspension plus a one match ban Tipperary appealing. What is your view on that? The correct decision? Um, I suppose the in, the ins and outs of it. I suppose we we've there's no doubt we've seen a lot a lot more cards given to mentors and water carriers and hurley carriers on the sideline this year. Um, there's definitely a, a clamp down from the GA on verbal abuse of officials or interference with officials. I think Liam Cal, rightly or wrongly, like. I think it's the first time I've seen a red card dished out to an, a, a mentor this year. So I, I suppose we don't know the ins and outs of what was said or what wasn't said. It would, it would appear very, very harsh. But I think that the, the penalty definitely is very severe. Like it, it's a one game ban. You think oh, ordinarily fine, but it's the four week element that comes with it. It's very severe. But like if Tip get the results against Waterford, that penalty is going to carry over into the Munster final. So it's a two game ban. And then, if you just say if this happened in the first round of the Munster Championship, that penalty would be a three game ban because you'd have played three matches and maybe in a four week spell. So I got the, I do think that the time ban part of this is very, very severe. Um look, I, I can understand the referee or Crow Park and the GA looking to protect referees and maybe clamp down on verbal abuse and things like that. That's fine, like, but I do think the time ban element is a bit too severe for my life. For my life, and you, you're all for maybe mentors, whatever line of things, uh, maybe getting penalised. But I think, I think maybe game bans maybe are more appropriate. Like I, I don't think this thing of two and three and four game bans purely on time time bans. I think it's it's a bit too severe, particularly because they like they can't be in the dressing room before, during, and after the game. They're not. Technically, they're not supposed to be at training, but like that's that's very, very hard to believe, so it is. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's many who will share your view on it, but ultimately we have yeah. to sit back and I suppose we just have to accept the decision that's made. So. Yeah, well, I, I would think, on the, I suppose, from maybe this week, uh, this Sunday's game, probably it, it, it would probably take the element maybe of anything, maybe between Liam Cahill and maybe the Watford players or David Fitzgerald, that, that, that won't be there. Like, he's, you like, he... It would take a bit of the heat out of the. I I don't think there's anything in it at all. Like Liam Cahill had two very two and a half, three three very good years. Like just the last couple of games of Watford, like I I would be surprised if any of the players had any issue with Liam Cahill and Michael Beavens. Like they they did what they did. Like whatever happened in the last few games last year, I'd be surprised if it was a Liam Cahill issue. And I I'd be I'd be disappointed because like he he did so much down there and like from when all we hear out of Watford like there was no real falling out between Liam Cahill and the, the players just whatever happened in terms of form and maybe a bit of tiredness crept in in a couple of games last year that, that was their undoing You can't help but respect the man because he's earned respect in the game and just his general demeanour as a person he's the kind of guy that you would imagine yeah. would leave in a positive manner with anybody and yeah. that particular fixture obviously undefeated in three for Tipperary this year it's an unchanged 15 from the draw with Limerick what are your thoughts on that? 
Uh, it's an unchanged 15. I, I'd have my doubts that there won't be maybe a couple of changes on the day of the match, like to have up to an hour before the game to make a couple of changes. So, like, it's just the fact that 1 to 15 are in the same number, same positions. It's more or less a, a copy and paste job, yeah. I think, in terms of the team that's been put out. But I know there's still concerns maybe over Cottle Barrett and his concussion. There's more worries over Jake Morris and a, and a shoulder injury he was carrying into the Limerick game that maybe hit aggravated a two. And look, I think there's definitely a feeling that... Um, like while Tipper not fully qualified, they, they could potentially maybe make a couple of changes, maybe. And like he has a strong panel, like you have like Connor Bo came off the bench last last week and did very well. I suppose he could be pushing for a start as well. Um um There's options there. There's options yeah, like Jimmy Callan yeah, coming on as well. There, yeah. Like John, you have Johnny Ryan there who played very well in the first two games. Probably dropped out in more of a horses for courses selection, maybe against Limerick. He could could maybe come back in against probably a more of a livelier, I would say, Watford forward line that's been selected. So he's a bit more like so. Like I think definitely two think that there could be maybe a change or two, but not. There definitely won't be wholesale changes. Like there's there's definitely um, there's definitely a full respect for a Watford will bring on Sunday. Like even though Watford are eliminated, I would think there's definitely an element with him Watford. Well, I don't think they'll be going out with this thing of trying to put Tip out of the championship. I think based on there probably a lot of maybe Watford self-respect is that is on the line here. Um, last year in the final round when they were as good as eliminated against Clare, they effectively threw in the towel and Ennis. I don't think they'll want to be seen to be doing that two years in a row because look, if Davy Fitz, Gerald stays on for next year, he'll be evaluating who, who many of these guys will are prepared to go to the well when there's nothing at stake and exactly, yeah. maybe we're looking yeah. at Urbines to come in or um if if Davy is not there, maybe a lot of the incoming manager will be looking to think, God, these boys are after throwing in the towel two years in a row in a dead rubber match, like how 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 hard or how easy would it be for a new manager to to take on that job so like I do think there's an awful lot on the line for for Waterford this weekend I agree and I think anybody who's writing off Waterford and seeing this as a foregone conclusion they will be in for a big surprise one last question I have for you uh, with what we've seen in 2023 who's been your standout player in the Tipperary squad or players Um, surely you'd have to think in terms of being the leader Noel McGrath has been been outstanding Mm. like he's just yeah, you'd always be worried of maybe a guy in his early thirties, and particularly where the, the modern game is going, like it's all about fo- power and physicality and work rate. But like, it's great; it's been fantastic to see a guy with flair and his his touch and his vision still having a, a role to play in the, in in Minter County hurling at senior level. So definitely, Noel McGrath is is top of the list. You have, I think, Jake Morris just has become very very. He's put three good consistent games for tip now back to back like in fairness he's, he's on the panel six years now and i think he's only 23 24 years of age like he's he feels like he's been there a long time but like to be able to put three good games back to back has been hugely encouraging uh, for me and uh but then you'd probably go to the un- unsung thing the players the likes of valentine and seamus kennedy they go through the the unselfless unseen grunt work i think and connor stakes and they're 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 so important to how and Liam Cahill team tries. So those those guys have been um, very, very impressive so far. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's all budding well in the Premier County. Looking forward to a fantastic game tomorrow. Thanks ever so much for your time today, Shane. Pleasure. Tracking sport across the southeast. Sports 
Extra. Sticking with Gaelic Games now and one of the strongest traditions in the country. I'm pleased to be joined by George Darcy, the chairman of Bagnallstown Gales GAA Club. And they are representing Carlo in the National John West Fela Finals in June. George, for anybody who is unaware of what that actually is, just how significant is this for the club? Well, this is very significant for our club, Sean, because... Um, you know, we pride ourselves in being a dual club. We play hurling and football. We start our children at uh, under seven and we go right up to adult hurling and football. And we treat both games equally and we give everybody an opportunity to play both if they wish, one only, football if they wish, hurling if they wish. But we are out and out a dual club. And for this under-15 team to qualify for the FELA, uh, the vast majority of the boys who are representing, the fe- uh, representing our club and Carlo in the FELA, have, uh, they play both hurling and football. So on the week, uh, on the Saturday, the 24th of June, our hurlers represent Carlo and our club um, in the hurling FELA. And the following week, on the 1st of July, are footballers. And they have, I think there may or may, I think it could be one or two boys who are not involved in both. Other than that, it's everybody. So we are, this is a real success for our club and our policy. A success for Carlo as well, by the sounds of it, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Bagnallstown has always traditionally uh, been a dual town, and so our club is very proud to be a dual club. And we love our hurling and we love our football. And we try to instill that into our GAA community. And our followers love it, love it as well. So that's why it's a sense of pride for us. And with yourself as someone who's been involved with the club for quite some time, what does it mean to you personally? Well, for me personally, you see, there's a small bit of history to our club, whereas we were a very... Uh, uh, active GAA town all my life um, um, only in 2019 did we form one club Bagnallstown Gales so we are a relatively new club uh, we're certainly the newest club in Carlow and one of the newest in the whole of Ireland up to this up to prior to 2019 we had Aaron's on with a proud tradition of promoting hurling at adult level we had a St. Andrews Gaelic football team with a proud tradition of promoting football over the generations. And then we had Munaviog Juvenile Club that was a dual juvenile club, but then um, they stopped promoting at uh, uh, 18 and the, the, the players moved on to the uh, either both the hurling and the football club. So we we looked at this over the years and many people felt it would be better to come under one umbrella and we are proud to say that the vast majority of our uh, GAA community agreed with this and we formed a new club Bagnallstown Gales in 2019 and this is my fifth year as chairperson of the club and I am so proud of our club and the people involved and of course all our players from the very young to the very old that are still playing the game. So we have a, a real sense of community here in Bagnallstown. We are the biggest voluntary organisation in our community and we're also very proud of that. 
And like anything voluntary, funding and a desire for community involvement is obviously going to be key. So I believe there's an annual event Absolutely. occurring tomorrow. What can you tell everybody about that? Yes. Well, uh, tomorrow um, we have our, uh, would you believe it, our, our, our annual sponsored walk. Now, needless to say that winning uh, uh, the Fela and having to travel to Mayo, for instance, the, our hurlers on the first weekend have to travel we know to uh, Ballinasloe, and maybe then, uh, if we qualify for further games, we'll have to head for the uh, Centre of Excellence. I think it's uh, the Mayo Centre of Excellence. It's in the Ballyharness area. So that's a fair long journey, fair commitment. The following week, our footballers under 15 have to play their first three or four games in Carrigan Shannon, County Leitrim. And, uh, you know, uh, and then maybe if we can advance there, again head for uh, the uh, Centre of Excellence in Ballyhaunce, the Mayo Centre. So you can imagine transporting uh, children, um, making sure that they represent our club well by being tugged out and geared out properly and so on. So that, and, and maybe the hire of a bus and so on and so forth. That There's a fair bit of expense involved in that. So this year's um, annual sponsored walk will be the funds raised there will be used to help us out with this and uh, you know we're uh, this walk will be on sunday uh, this coming sunday i think it's the 28th is it yes and it begins at 10 o'clock in the mcgrath park and we're looking for the community to get behind this now we have little sponsored cards out we have a gofundme page and we're looking for as much help financially as we can get. Now, I'm going to say also that we are very lucky to have a really, really good community behind us. And we have a really good business community behind us in all the things that we do in Bagnestone Gales as well. So we're constantly thanking our community and our business community for the generosity that they show to us. Community is key because without community, we don't have anything. So fantastic to speak with you today. The very, very best of luck tomorrow and with everything upcoming. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. That is everything for today. And it is so, so good to be back with you all this Saturday evening. Beat Anthems is coming right up after this one final message for all of you clubs across the region. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy. The solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie Beats Club Focus is well and truly up and running. Each month I pop in a car and I join a random club in the region. I give them a chance to take their rightful place in the limelight. And you can feature on air, online and across all of our socials. But at the end of the 12 months, one of those lucky clubs is going to bag themselves €1,000 bursary. And that winning club will be chosen through a public vote, giving you a tremendous opportunity to attract new members. Club Focus is part of Beat's ongoing commitment to support the work that all you local clubs do. Because all we want to do is celebrate the positive impact that you all have in your local communities. So if you want to get your club involved today, there is still time. Head to beat102103.com forward slash club focus to apply and we might be having a copa very soon. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy. The solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie